0: I began divorce life in the dark, not because I was listening to sad, sad love songs, but because I was literally sitting in the dark. I kept the lights low. I couldn't stand the sight of myself. I went to the bathroom in the dark. I showered in the dark. I brushed my teeth in the dark. I didn't want to look at me. And even if it hadn't been dark, I never would have been able to see myself in the mirror anyway, because my self-esteem was so shattered. I had resorted to doing affirmations. And I, my affirmations were so intense that I had stickies that had completely covered my bathroom mirror. I left a little bit of space for my daughter so that when she came over and was brushing her teeth and getting herself together, she could see herself. But there was no space for me. One of my boys saw it one day and was like, yo, this is a lot. It was a lot. I am beautiful. I am worthy. I am blessed. I am blessed and highly favored. I am a king. I am a beautiful man, I am incredible, I am thoughtful, I am thankful, I am grateful, I am human, I deserve love, I deserve kindness, I deserve respect, I didn't believe, not a thing that I was saying, but I kept saying it over and over and over and over again, because saying those things to myself in the morning, when I went to the bathroom, when I was going to bed having little index cards with me. As a man thinketh, so shall he be. These were the things that got me through the day. These were the things that got me, just got me, got me from sunup to sundown in the beginning.
1: Welcome to the dating after divorce survival guide. After getting his master's degree in getting cursed out, his second master's and getting kicked out, Eric Payne decided to pursue his doctorate in getting his life right and staying in his own lane. But upon getting all his degrees, he realized he was a fish out of water in this new dating landscape. Eric was 28 years old when he met his ex-wife and was newly divorced at 43. The world had changed considerably since the days of StarTech beepers, Motorola flip phones, and Yahoo chat. It is vicious out here in these new streets where taking pictures of yourself all day long with a phone and posting them on the internet is actually a thing. The Dating After Divorce Survival Guide is the story of Eric's journey from love and marriage to divorce, to dating, to hopefully love and marriage once more.
0: How did I end up here? And here isn't even a place. I'm in the middle of nowhere, going fast. You know, I began life as this like hopeful, energetic kid who believed in the guy getting the girl at the end of the movie. I used to watch the, the, the black and white detective flicks. I used to watch the semi-romantic comedies where Peggy Sue, Martha Ann, Betty Lee, whatever her name is, would go running and jumping into the, the guy's arm. The guys who always wore the fedora, who was too cool, who was like, yeah, honey, I wasn't going anywhere. I love you. I love you so much. I mean, I was also watching uh, Johnny Sacco's Robots and the 60s Spider-Man cartoon where he was always shooting his web into the sky and somehow swinging off of, I don't know, clouds. But I loved love. I wrote a book of poetry and short stories in my 20s, self-published it, and it was all about love, the lack thereof, or the pursuit of love. At the end of Love, Jones, when Lorenz Tate, my homie in my head from Chicago, And Nia Long, I love her so much, were kissing in the rain. I was damn near bawling, wanting it for myself and happy for them. And they're just actors. I got married with the best of intentions. Maybe not the best preparation, but the best of intentions. And my ex had a boyfriend immediately. Someone that she was taking around with her everywhere. It was devastating to my ego. Devastating to me as a husband who thought I had invested a certain amount of time, whether whether I was good at it or not, but I thought I had invested a certain amount of time into a situation only for somebody to come along out of nowhere and be something new. One of the biggest things that scared me about dating in the beginning was that I was afraid. I didn't want anybody touching me because I didn't know I didn't know their touch. I didn't know their smell. I didn't know the way they felt in my hands. It was all uncomfortable for me. I wanted the familiarity of my ex-wife, but that wasn't meant to be. How did I go from my earliest memories of being someone who believed in love and wanted love and wanted nothing but love to being some spat out, washed up husband who upon getting divorced enters into the dating game it is now doing the thing I said I would never do, which is just running around in circles, chasing my tail. I was just running back and forth like a basketball player running wind sprints. I was a race car, just aimlessly whizzing back and forth. No purpose, no destination, no finish line. How? Well, the how was easy. I wasn't living for myself. I was living for everything and everyone but me. I had this notion that I had to save everyone around me. I had to save my ex from the bad decision that she was making dismantling our family. I had to save my children from my ex who was making the bad decision of dismantling my family. Well, once the divorce came through, I had to save my daughter from the ills of divorce. I had to save my daughter from whatever men, man, that my ex-wife was exposing her to at 10, 11 years old. My son was in his 20s, early 20s, and recently got removed from his university and was struggling to find his way. I had to save my son from himself. My father had had multiple strokes. My mother wasn't wasn't exactly understanding what my father was going through, and their power dynamic at home shifted where she went from being the submissive one to the one who was in control, and I saw her resentment and anger towards him become unleashed on him at a point in his life where he was no longer even conscious of what he did to even atone for what he did to her so i had to save him from her and i had to save her from her bad behavior i was out here saving everyone but myself i was out here wearing the breastplate of honor and righteousness and dignity with my chest puffed out and my shoulders up straight and my back spread proud arms outstretched running and jumping off buildings thinking I was going to go flying through the air only to go splat on the ground as one of my very 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 dear friends called me and the only reason I'm saying this is because she called me this she called me Captain Savaho and Jess she said something she basically said something along the lines of, I so appreciate you for being Captain Save-A-Ho while I was jumping her car battery. And I laughed and we laughed, but I mean, and she continued to use that word towards me, but, uh, but it was actually indicative of something a lot darker. I had a hero complex. I had a savior complex. I had a saving complex. I grew up trying to save my parents' marriage. You know, they're still married, but they were, they argued all the time. And I stood between them trying to get them to get along. I was a fixer. I grew up fixing things. My dad taught me how to build things so that I can pretty much build things without instruction manuals if I want to. Takes a little bit longer, but I can do it. I'm a fixer. I'm a builder. But the one thing that you can't do is you can't fix people and you can't fix by yourself Things that other people have done. So I was out here running around in circles like a madman, probably on the way to giving myself an ulcer, trying to save everyone and everything. And I just had to stop because I was in no position or condition to be saving anybody. In all about running around in circles, trying to find the next person to be the next woman in my daughter's life. I wasn't even considering that person from the perspective of what were they doing for me? Or more importantly, what was I doing for them? I was dealing with a tremendous amount of pain. The amount of rejection that I was feeling was astronomical. My heartbeat raced during waking hours for almost two years straight. I was in so much pain. But I wasn't in pain from just my marriage. I was in pain in general because my marriage was just indicative of my life in general. I lived the life or so I thought of rejection. And my marriage was just the icing on the cake of what that rejection was and what that rejection looked like. I was angry. I was angry at the situation. I was angry at myself. I was angry every time I had to drop my daughter off. I was angry every time I couldn't kiss her forehead or kiss her on the cheek or kiss her to the point where she fights me off of her which happens every day when i'm saying goodnight i couldn't i couldn't do any of that stuff i was angry i was angry that i didn't get any help while i was married i was angry that i didn't seek out any help while i was married i was angry that i was so convinced that my ex could never leave me that not because i was all that but that she wouldn't do something like that i was just angry You know, we didn't do that much because money was tight for whatever reasons that are completely irrelevant at this point. And my ex... Every chance she got, she was always texting me to let me know she was going out of town or going out of the country or traveling for business or she was, she had plans on Friday night and if I could pick up my daughter, if I could do this because she had plans and then what she would do is at the beginning of every month, she would say, I'm doing this, 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 I won't be here on this date, I won't be here on this date, I won't be available on this date, I won't, half of the dates were when my child was with me anyway. She was just rubbing it in my face that she was now out there. All of this stuff was just weight, just being thrown on my shoulders, put on my chest, shackled around my ankles. And here I am out here trying to get it on with random strangers. And for all of my desire to save my daughter from my ex-wife and her deleterious ways with whatever boyfriend she had. I wasn't do much better because nobody I met, I would even dream of bringing around my daughter. So I wasn't accomplishing anything anyway.
2: I want to leap over buildings, want to fly over the shores, save the people from the villains, catch the crooks who rob the stores, Write my name upon the sky, and when you call me, I'll be there faster than a lightning flash, rushing through the cool night air. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh, oh. So start ignition, count to zero. I just wanna. Superhero oh, 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 oh. with fearless thoughts, emotions swirl.
0: The hero's dilemma falls into two, two spaces. It's, a, it's, a, it's an and or either or dilemma. The first dilemma is the hero can't exist without having someone to save. In my case, I needed someone to save. Anytime she needed help, anytime she wanted help, anytime she needed anything, I came a running and then had my hand out saying, hey, so now let's get back together. I had to unlearn that very quickly. But here's the other dilemma of being a hero. In order for the hero to exist, the hero needs a villain. And the villain in my life was my ex-wife for all that she has done or all that I believe that she's done. So I'm literally in conflict with myself internally. I am at war inside. But presenting a facade of peace to the public. And it was tearing me to pieces. Welp, God in the universe decided to snatch me up out of that hero complex real quick. My son got into trouble based on an unpaid speeding ticket. But he didn't bother to tell anybody. He didn't tell me. He didn't tell anybody. Because he was going to try and figure it out himself. But he needed to tell me, especially because it was my car that he was driving. So... When he went to get all of his stuff cleared up and so on and so forth, I was so angry. I was so angry with him for being dishonest with me, whether he was afraid or not. I was just so angry. And I remember I just went into help mode. What lawyer can I call? What thing can I do? What can I do to make the ticket disappear? Let me call my frat brother who's on the police force. Let me da da. -da -da. I did all this stuff. And then I just stopped and I said, no, I can't do this. I can't save people from their mistakes. I am not a police officer. I am not a fireman. I am not a paramedic. I am not an emergency responder. I'm not a first responder. I am not in the business of saving people. And I definitely have no business saving people from mistakes that they are making that are probably divinely allowed so that they can grow from them. So I took my hands off the wheel, literally. I was thinking about all of this at a red light. And I was squeezing my steering wheel so hard. My knuckles were turning white. And for someone like me, that's very hard to do. And I literally just took my hands off the wheel. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm tired of wearing this cape. I'm done. I am done. And I stopped wearing my cape. I put, I took the cape off. And then I put barbed wire around it. So that should I ever decide to put the cape on again, I'll get cut up so bad. I'll be like, never mind. Have you ever had one of those days where you want everyone to know exactly how you feel without having to utter a single word? Well, the Dating After Divorce Survival Guide store has a variety of products that do exactly that. Reasonably priced and in unisex sizes for all, you can visit today at epayne.me slash notmypastshirt. That's E-P-A-Y-N-E dot M-E slash notmypastshirt. Or you can visit the show notes underneath this episode for the link. Post-divorce, my ex-wife and I fought almost as much, if not more, than we did when we were married, at least in the beginning. And one of the things that came up around the same time that I was going through all of this was that she had accused me of being in competition with her, to be better than her, to be a better parent than her, to be a better person than her. And that wasn't true at all. I had just gotten a brand new house and competing with her was actually the last thing on my mind. But she was right. But about what I was doing in the dating space, dating was wearing me out. It was exposing me for what I was, which was exactly what my friend was saying at work. I wasn't ready. Being able to communicate with people aside, I wasn't ready to be entertaining romance. I wasn't ready to be having someone trusting someone with my emotions or trust or having them trust me with theirs. I wasn't ready. I was tired, and and the the slipshod. Dating experiences that I had, you know, online dating and whatever, because I was in this pursuit, this pursuit to be better than this pursuit to compete this pursuit because I was on some sort of time crunch. There was a time crunch. What was the time crunch? I don't know. But there was a time crunch. I had to get things done before I got too old. I had to get things done. So, so whatever woman I could be with could have a baby so that there would be enough time between my youngest child and that child so that they could have a decent relationship. So they wouldn't be 10 years apart like my youngest child and my oldest child. I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to do this. What? Eric Payne, you are driving yourself crazy on pure conjecture. What are you doing? Stop. Stop. You're going, you're going to drive yourself crazy or get an ulcer in the process. So just sit down. You aren't ready. So that's what I did. I sat down and I got still and I got quiet. And in spending that still and quiet time with me, it started forcing me to do the very thing I didn't want to do. Being alone and being in quiet space is one of the scariest things that a human being can go through. It's one of the best. But it also is one of the scariest, because it begins to force you to start assessing what's going on around you. But primarily from your perspective, what am I doing, and why am I doing it? So the question of why sprang up as soon as I got still. <sighs> why am I doing the things that I'm doing? Why do I feel as if I'm failing? I mean, my ex-wife has a boyfriend, and you know my kids are spending time with him, and I don't really feel good about that, but that doesn't really have anything to do with me ultimately. Why am I trying to be with some? Why am I trying to be with someone? Who told me that I need to be dating? Why am I trying to microwave a relationship? Why do I think I'm running out of time? Why do I think that I have to be with someone for the sake of my daughter? Why do I believe that it's possible to get to know someone to undo 15 years of relationship? in 18 months and do better than what I've done when I don't even know what I did wrong to begin with because I don't know enough about who I am to even know how to be with other people or what I even want in someone else I'm here and I can't undo anything that landed me in this spot but I'm here on purpose so if I'm here on purpose then what am I supposed to be doing and is the what that I'm supposed to be doing? Chasing my tail, trying to be with somebody. My coworker's words to me at work had finally sunk in. Child, you ain't ready. I got still, I got quiet, and I decided to take stock of my life. My effort to date was in direct conflict with the internal affliction of resentment that I hadn't yet resolved. The guy who didn't feel he mattered unless somebody wanted him. The guy who felt abandoned if no one wanted to go places and do things with him. I began to understand why the women whom I met along the way that I really wanted were ghosting me. These women were self-aware and they knew enough to know that there was no space for them in my life because I was too self-absorbed with my pain. Not to mention my ex-wife. And the women who took me on, who didn't have this awareness... We're incapable of being anything more than playthings, and I spit them out like gristle, unfortunately. I was tired. I was tired of being at odds with myself, my life, and everyone in it. I was tired of every setback being a roadblock. I was tired of every failure being an endpoint. I was tired of every rejection being venom in my veins. I was tired of being paralyzed by self-doubt. I was tired of every word that had been used against me becoming words I was using against myself. All of it was my pain, a pain I had been trying to avoid through pointless pursuits of comfort. I had been looking to others to fill in my blanks as I had all my life. In front of me was a chalice, metaphorical of course. In it were all my tears. and was all my pain. It was the thing I feared the most. It was to the brim with my shortcomings, my flaws, and my failures, all the ugly and nasty parts, the things I'd rather not deal with, the things I hadn't dealt with. I couldn't be afraid anymore, though. I couldn't avoid being uncomfortable anymore. Without hesitation, I grabbed the chalice, nearly impossible to move because it was so weighed down with all of my emotional weight and pain. All the things I had assigned to it, I brought it to my mouth and I drank, and it burned all the way down. But with each gulp, I became less fearful, and when I finished the last drop, there was nothing left to fear. Suddenly, I realized that my pain was my gift, not my curse. It was in fact my true power. Through failure, I learned what to do and how to do it, or at least who to seek out to get the information I needed. I realized that my setbacks weren't setbacks at all. They were set-ups. I realized that yes, I had been through hell, a lot of it self-induced, but I was still here by design, divine design. I'm still here, which means, and which meant at the time, I had the strength to endure anything. Now I had the willingness to and the fearlessness to look at myself in the mirror and tell me I love me. I love you, Eric Payne. To look at him still broken, bloodied, and bruised, and love him for what he's been through, easier said than done. To see this man that I am, but see through the cuts and scrapes and bandages to catch glimpse of the man I want him to be, who he's destined to be, a man I now have the power and freedom to craft, because now that I'm a single man in my 40s, I have the greatest gift of them all, time. And I have another great gift, the wisdom that comes with age and making mistakes and making your best effort to learn from them. I now had the dedication to myself that I had to my studies when I was in grad school. And I thank God for that. I now have the strength in my legs to stand in defiance of my past and whisper tearfully, I am not my past. To shout triumphantly, I am not my past. I am whoever I say I am. I am who God says I am. The allure of being super, it it, it lost its shine. In the face of the power of self-determination, a power I had always had and just didn't know it. I owed it to myself to make myself into the best version of myself. Not the one I had packaged up. In hopes that others would accept me. No matter how long it took. No matter how much it took. No matter how lonely I got along the way. No matter how many friends or so-called friends I shed. Because I and I alone had to take this journey. I had to do this work on me. I owed it to my children. I owed it to myself. I owe it to every single person I cross paths with on my day to day. And should I ever hit it off with a woman who decides to trust me with the care of her heart, I owe it to her too. I retired from the dating game because it was time to change the game. I want to dedicate this episode specifically to the memory of Kobe Bryant, who Unfortunately, passed away on January 26th, 2020 in a tragic accident that claimed his daughter's life and the lives of seven other people. I took it hard. I haven't been able to talk about it. It's just someone that I admire tremendously from afar and will continue to admire. His work ethic was stellar. It was something that made no sense. And because I have a work ethic, I could relate. Interestingly enough, hours before uh, he succumbed to the helicopter crash that claimed his life, I was watching videos of him on Instagram, playing ball and interacting with his teammates when he was on Team USA. I found a quote of his, and I wanted to share it. It says, I always wanted to be better, wanted more. I can't really explain it other than that I loved the game, but had a very short memory. That fueled me until the day I hung up my sneakers. The part that jumped out at me was the short memory part. I have a long-term memory, which I have ultimately used for good, to tell this story, to hopefully entertain, and maybe educate and empower you guys. But ultimately, my memory and holding on to this went on for entirely too long. If you have a short-term memory, it means that Things happen and you keep it moving because typically what we do is we remember the past wrong and we hold on to it as being something greater than it actually was and we remain trapped there, unable to move forward, unable to be great, have a short-term memory, let it roll off your back. In no way, shape, or form am I attempting to marginalize anyone's pain, trauma, or anything but what I'm saying is that you have to get to a point where why you're here is less important and what you're going to do now that you are here. Thank you for listening to the Dating After Divorce Survival Guide. This has been a great season. We'll see you in a little while for the launch of Season 2. As always, be great, be wonderful, be amazing, be beautiful, and most importantly, be you.
1: Call